that also took for me to say I'm gonna be uncomfortable around people and this person because I know what they think of me but I don't care I'm not gonna change that I'm not gonna change me because that's me putting my mask back on and that mask has been on for so many years mi gente, dímelo, dímelo, what's good? Welcome to another episode of the Can't Do It As Podcast brought to you by Plural. You already know, it's your boy Pavel bringing you another special episode with another very special guest. If you're watching this on YouTube, you're seeing me with this terrible lighting and this room that looks very unfamiliar. Well, it's because I'm traveling this week for a speaking engagement in Milwaukee. So I'm in my hotel room recording the intro for this episode. Let's get back to more important things. This episode, the clip that you heard in the intro was with this week's guest, Eliana Acosta. She brings 20 years of experience in ad tech, partnerships, and sales. And these days, she's a senior manager at LinkedIn, managing global advertising technology partnerships. At LinkedIn, she's also the global co-chair of LinkedIn's Hispanic Employee Resource Group. Though she's grateful to have all these opportunities working in corporate, she has faced many challenges around authenticity versus professionalism. And oftentimes she's felt alienated, tokenized, and excluded. So for her to find her voice, comfort in who she is, and seeing the positive impact that it had on her career, it's now something that she wants to give back. She wants to be that representation that she didn't have when she was younger. And we're going to get into all of those things in this conversation. Now that you know a little bit more about her and have some context into what we'll be talking about, let's get into the episode. So first off, can you just pronounce your name how you want me to pronounce it in the intro? La única Indiana Costa. No. Ana. <laughs> <laughs> Ibiana Costa. Um, that, you can also just call me Ellie. Either one works. That's gonna that's gonna be the name of the episode. La única. <laughs> <laughs> I feel free. It's all about authenticity, right? It's only one one. So, yo, speaking of though, it's such a buzzword. You probably hear that word all the time. To get authenticity, what does it mean to you though when you hear it? When I could just be me, speak my mind, uh, curse like a sailor if I wanted to because it comes out really organically when I don't try to assimilate when I can verbalize my emotions and feel psychologically safe to do it in the environment I'm in Ooh. and so that I think that's just authentic and then I'm not just saying like the physical you know I'm definitely like a big hoodie fan my curly hair is out and that's like the aesthetic you know but really is more of the internal stuff and being able to express myself in a way that I feel comfortable, in a way that I feel like I'm not holding back what I need to say or need to or feel like it needs to be said and that I feel psychologically safe. And I'm going to be honest with you, there's environments where I don't feel like this is not 100% kosher and maybe I shouldn't say it, but it has to be said. Yeah. Right. And, and you know, I think that's when I celebrate me in those moments because I might be a little uncomfortable, but I say this has to be said. And I feel like it needs to be said by me, so I'm going to say it. I love how you mentioned psychologically safe twice. And I think, I think it, like, sometimes you can't even describe it besides that feeling of, like, I just feel safe here. But before we get into those environments, I feel like 
growing up, our family has so many expectations on like who we should be. You know, they'd be like, mm-hmm. yo, don't be looking crazy out there in these streets embarrassing me. Like, <laughs> especially as a woman too. Like what sort of, oh, yeah. what sort of like <laughs> rules did you have in place around like, this is how I think you should be showing up outside. We only got how long we got because no. but there was okay so there was, I think there's different things right so one from a career aspect you know I was raised to want to be a lawyer a doctor an accountant you know all the things that were high yielding successful because uh, I put that because success is subjective um, yeah. role and what my family deemed as like that's what's going to get you money to live the American dream. And the American dream was like a big house with a white picket fence, two and a half kids, get married young, you know. Two and a half? Start popping, start popping. Two and a half, you know, the dog. Oh, the dog, okay. <laughs> the dog, the dog is a human. I have a dog, she is my little mini human. Um, and so that, like, that's the way I was raised in. And I, it's like, from a really young age, I just didn't feel like that I fit that mold. It's not what I was like striving for. Now, I didn't have a blueprint of what it looked like, but I just was never like gung ho about all the things that were the expectation. You know, I think I realized early on, you know, I want to be a lawyer for a long time. Lawyer, lawyer, lawyer. That's all I thought about. And then I went into undergrad and I was studying physical therapy. And then I realized that's a lot of science and your girl don't like science too much. So I'm like, <laughs> a business. So when it's a business, and that's you know how how my career kind of evolved into what it is. But as so that's from a career. Sorry, go ahead. As you were navigating these different careers, though, like were you even telling your family is like, yo, I think I'm gonna switch here and there, and also like, was it like I'm asking for permission? It was like, nah, fam, I'm telling you, I'm switching careers. Like, what, what was that conversation like? No, it wasn't asking permission. I've always been a little bit of a let's call it a rebel. Okay. And I was, my mom, God bless her soul. You know, God does things for a reason. He gave me the most patient, most beautiful, most loving mom. Even today, she is a sweetheart. And I'm, you know, type A, like, let's go. And so thank God that that was the balance I needed. So I really wasn't asking permission. Moral was like, hey, Bob, this is what I'm doing, you know? And so, you know, she had no choice but to support that. Like, she's a single mom. She had my brother and I, she was working nine, 10 hours a day, living check to check, figuring it out. Like now that I'm an adult and I see her as an adult, as a person versus just my mother, like she was just really just trying to figure that out. And to be honest, that's when the healing really started for me. But so it wasn't really asking permission. I think where, where I think I had more apprehension in terms of like telling my family or, you know, the different things that I was doing that was outside of their expectation was to my grandmother. Ooh. My grandmother had that old school mentality and my grandmother and I were two peas in a pod. Like that was my girl, you know, and I, she took care of me every, almost every single day of my life because my mom was working all the time. And so I remember telling her, her um, that I was not going to be a lawyer and I was going to do business. I said, oh, why you want to do that? You don't think that maybe a lawyer, you know, instead of, and I'm like, no, I don't want to do that. That's just not my thing. And so I just kept pushing, you know, at the end of the day, what is she going to do, you know? And so that I think was one. And then her expectation of be, me getting married. I remember she was asking me at like 19, when are you getting married? Really? Getting married. Oh 19. my God. 19, 25, 27, 29. Like 
when are you going to get married? When are you going to be married? I was like, come on, man. It's is it just marriage or, or kids too? A marriage and kids. But, you know, obviously in, in her eyes, yeah. <laughs> or in, a, in, a, in a, I guess, structured world, it's marriage, then kids. And that was a big question. And even my mom kind of fell into that. And I had to put a pause to it and say, hey, while I realize that this is coming from a good place, it is not healthy for my mental health to be asked these questions and have this much pressure and expectation to deliver on something that's not realistic. Because for me, a marriage is the union of two people who are committed to their each other's growth, to right. love, to trust each other, to communication, to all those things. And unless those things are in alignment, I'm not doing it. Because first and foremost, my happiness, my fulfillment, my peace comes before anything and anyone. And so if a relationship doesn't afford me that, then I don't want to enter into that. And I, marriage to me is not worth me settling for anything less than those three things. Happiness, fulfillment, and peace. That's it. Yeah. It's tough. Um, and it's interesting that there are like these, not that you were seeking approval, but it, it's not even just our like mother or father. It's like, there are like multiple layers of, family expectations that are always present and and that's fascinating as well um so what did you end up studying business manager the marketing concentration (laughs) (laughs) that was my undergrad and then i went for my mba with a focus on entrepreneurship and innovation and that's another thing though i'll be honest when i went for my mba i didn't need to go for my mba like i was in sales i'm still in sales and if you're doing well you're doing well and you don't necessarily need the, the paper to say, hey, you're going to make more money. Obviously, it adds more credibility, gives more experience, more so it extends your network. There's so many benefits to getting an MBA. I just didn't need it in the moment. But I always felt like I just had to do it. I had to do it for myself. And so education played a big part into kind of saving me um, from probably spiraling into other things that I was exposed to as a, as a young kid that other people around me followed that path and I didn't. I have friends that identify as queer and their family, they never sort of like came out to their family and they were planning on waiting until they got their MBA until coming out to their family to say like, Oh, that's interesting. Maybe with this, because I think in a lot of families, like academics is put on a pedestal. It's like, oh, my children made it. You know, there's always these, like, pictures of, like, our families, like, on their walls are, like, our diplomas. Like, we don't even get to keep our diplomas. Like, we give it to them. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it almost felt like this moment of validation of, like, maybe I have enough credentials, not even for, like, an employer, but for my family to accept me. Um, Mm -hmm. And and, and it's it's interesting. But it's, it's true, though. Like, I've worked in sales a bunch of times. Like, there aren't that many people that even have that MBA. Um, so it's interesting that even like you felt like on some ways, maybe you needed it. No, I, I, maybe somewhere in me, I was like, I feel like I need, I feel like I needed it to prove, prove it to myself. Cause I came from humble beginnings that we didn't have money at all. It, I'm like KFC was a good Friday, you know, it's Friday today. <laughs> so maybe I'll go grab some chicken, but I'll not go back that day. So forget about that. But, <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I grew up really humble beginnings and, I don't think I ever realized my full potential when I was younger. I knew I didn't want the situation I was in 
because I found myself different from other people. Like I was always yearning for more and different. And I kind of rode that wave and I kind of followed that path. And I just leaned into the different and leaned into do doing different things than, you know, what my friends around me were doing and owned it. And I was okay with it. And I was comfortable with it because I would always come back home. Like, hey, I know I'm over here, but I'm gonna come back here and we're still friends. You know, I'm just doing different things. And so I was always comfortable with that. But with the MBA, I just felt like, I think it was honestly it was a check the box thing for me. Like, okay, I did it and I proved it to myself that I could do it and I'm good. But I, I, I do feel like there was a certain like badge of honor with my family. Like, whoa, first one to ever do it, you know? Yeah. And, you know, let's talk about the doors that that has opened. Not only the MBA, but, you know, the experience that, that you started gaining and, and the academics, like, Talk to me about some of your early roles, whether it be your first corporate gig or maybe internships. What did your swag look like? You walked in with the pantsuit. Like, tell me about it. <laughs> oh, my God. You're really making me, like, rewind a minute over here. My first job interview for, like, the corporate world, I showed up in a suit. Like, blazer. I remember it, too. It was black with white, tiny pinstripes. And a white collared shirt with the buttons, and my mm. hair was of course straight mm. because you know I had to look professional, and with some stiletto heels. You can't pay me enough for a suit right now, like absolutely. Like I don't care how much money you're giving me, I'm not wearing a suit to work. It's not happening. Um, and well, even who told to you? Who told you you had to like show up like that, or was that just like assumed? Mom, grandma, like. Straighten your hair. My grandma, listen, if my grandmother was alive right now, I know she's looking down on me. And she's like, yes, that's bad. Oh, you're on camera. She would say, all right, when are you going to straighten your hair? It looks so much nicer. Mm-hmm. Right? Because that's the way she grew up. And that is what was deemed professional, where they stand there. And that's how you want to appear. Aesthetically, you need to assimilate and look the part. Assimilate mm-hmm. to now this American living. Right? Luckily, I still have the language. But how many Latinos don't have the language because their families have assimilated to American culture and they're like, you have to speak the language, you have to look the part, you have to keep, you know, get rid of your accent, like all the things that make you, you. And that was interesting going into the work world because I wouldn't put my hair curly for months, months until I was like, okay, they know I'm about my grind. They know I'm going to do my work. I'm going to stay focused. And okay, I'm gonna wash my hair today, and I'm gonna go to work. Let's see what happens. I had people so what, touching my hair. That was weird, man. <laughs> whoa, let's get into that. But before we get into like how you were received, like what was that moment for you where you said like, oh, let me maybe start showing a little bit more of myself. It sounded like, yeah, for, like for me, it used to be like, let me get one performance review out the way so that I can get the validation to say like I'm doing my work well. And if someone yeah. questions me, then I could point back to it. It sounds like you had a similar experience. Absolutely. I think it, it gave me, um, well, it, it helped me take the mask off a little bit. Mm. You know, it's like, oh, I could take the mask off. I feel like I took the mask off today. I'm going to work with my hair curly. And it just made me feel like I was living in my own body again. Because this is just who I am. And so showing up as that version of me started you know little by little i was feeling more comfortable and like this is me now and then i realized people were accepting of it and this whole time like it was just me in my own head and Mm. the 
to be honest with you, the generational trauma that was passed down on yeah. the expectations and the looks and, uh, you know, um, neglect and whatever. And also, like, not only generational trauma, but also just trauma from experiencing yeah. myself. Racism, microaggressions throughout, like, I'm a little darker, I have an accent, you know, even though sometimes a Latina accent really comes out full force. Um, that was something I was, like, embarrassed about for a while. And Wait, so what sort of what sort of things have you heard? Because I would have never said that you had, had an accent. Oh yeah, like um. Oh, so you speak Spanish? Oh, but you speak oh. English so well. Mm. Really? Where did you hear that though? Was it at work in school? I've heard it at work. I didn't hear it too much in school actually, but definitely at work. And I didn't hear it at school because I went to schools that were pretty diverse. I started in Pace, and then I was at FIU for undergrad. Um, and then when, by the time I got to Cornell for my MBA, like I was already standing in my power. Like I wish, I wish somebody would try to make a comment, because <laughs> you're gonna get a comment right back. Versus before, I sort of swallowed it up. You know, I always say like my throat chakra was blocked for a long time because, as a Latina, you're you know you're taught you know calladita te ves más bonita. Just do your job, head down, focus, you know, don't cost too much attention. And I really didn't defend myself when I was younger. Yeah. I mean, understandably, though, right? Because we're taught all of the survival tactics from family, mm -hmm. which understandably, because in their time, shit, they probably live under the time of Trujillo. And like, there's a, the level of authority, if you speak up against that, you could get thrown in jail, right? So. So the fear is understandable. And in reality, they're just trying to protect us, right? But oh, sure. it's different times. Like the 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 level of rooms that you're in, I'm sorry, but Abuela has never been there. So how is she going to give you advice in rooms that okay. she's never been in? You feel me? That's right. Even now, you know, when I talk to my mom, I know what to talk to her about yeah. and what I would never talk to her about, <laughs> right? Because she just wouldn't comprehend she wouldn't understand and it's it's like good and bad because i like protect her for some things and it's bad because yeah. sometimes you just want to talk to your parents about stuff, you know and but she just doesn't understand it or your friends you said it earlier right like even in now you're in a different level of your career but even when you were starting off your career um and they were like let's let's call them any more entry level roles and you're in now your friends may have cool jobs, but it wasn't the jobs that you was in. So, for example, when I was at Facebook, I couldn't talk to that many people about it because they would be like, yo, but don't you get free lunch? Like, what are you complaining about? Like, yeah. I could only talk to one friend who worked at Google and he yeah. would understand me. But yeah. everybody else. And what ends up happening is like we just hold on to that shit because we, we feel like we don't have anyone to talk to. So and I want to check in and with that story is like. Yeah, people were accepting of you, but sometimes you you were met with a little bit of resistance, right? Yeah, no, a thousand percent. I mean, it happens. It's actually you bring a really good point because that happens now. Yeah, I have friends who work across industries, and we'll try to find a common ground, but really we'll just stick to like I think you super dope, you super dope. I love you as a friend. You love me as a friend, and let's go like have fun. And so that's what we do. But when it comes to like really work related stuff, they just know. Annie works in tech. What do you That's mean? It. They she works for a tech company. That's it. <laughs> like, they if I try they try to explain like what it is that I do. They're like, I think she works in sales. Yeah. 
I don't know yeah. what she sell, but yeah. and I mean, we're talking about they're in like complete different industries too, where tech doesn't play like a major role in what they do. And so understanding the nuances and how really it could impact them and their business, like it doesn't really like jive for them. Um, but, and those are like friends, you know, that I've had for a really long time, but then you have, you know, other friends, I have so many, I'm sure you do too, have different like buckets of friends and some know each other, some kind of op- like are in little silos and little, their own little world. And most of my friends are pretty up on tech, but there's still a select few that I'm like, they're like, wait, what? What are you doing? Um, and that's okay. It's okay. We're all different and we all have like our old superpowers and like, I don't understand some of the stuff that maybe they do, you know? And it's okay. Like that is not why friends, we're not friends because of what we do for a living. We're friends because like there's chemistry and we have other things in common and we respect and, and, um, honor each other in our ways. And so, um, having, having different groups of friends is super healthy and everybody adds to my life in completely different ways. And I'm very fortunate for, to be honest, the life that I've curated for myself. Yeah, you know, for sure. Like, I, I, I agree. Yeah. And, and, and going back, like, tell me about one of the times where you think your authenticity was met with resistance. You, you alluded to even like somebody touching your hair or grabbing it. Oh, geez. I think that's happened a couple of times. I remember I was like, a couple like times. leaning. A co- it was definitely happening a couple of times. I leaned over and to get something because I was like putting together these marketing bags. This was years ago. And this woman, uh, a white woman, was like, oh my God, your hair is so pretty. And then she just like started touching it. Like, Can you wobble? Because. <laughs> Can you wobble? And I was like, <laughs> like Hi, uh, like, you know, I was like, it's probably not the best to touch my hair. My, my curls have their own mood, you know, and I was trying to like diffuse because there was people around again, you know, and I wasn't like this, this is, that was inappropriate. And here's why, why that, that, that's inappropriate. I didn't address it in that way. And I, it, years later, it's still kind of eating me up about it. Um, or there was a time I was working for a really big company and I was met with you know, Eliana's energy is just a lot. And I was like, what's a lot? Unpack that for me. Because I think my energy is just fine. I talk to everyone the exact same way. I show the janitor, doorman, CEO, I don't care who you are. I treat you the exact same. Because I would want you to treat me the exact same with the same respect and consideration. And that a lot was I had a lot of energy, how I perceived it. I had a lot of energy. My hair was out. I was me with my hoodie at work. You know, tech, we're in tech. I don't need to dress up. And, but you don't pay me for what I'm wearing. You pay me for what's up here and how I move. And so that, to me, definitely was a little deflating when I heard it. And then I realized, like, I'm not going to dim my light. It's a look at math at me. You know, like real, real Spanglish right now. That's what makes me me. And I really started owning it. I I almost was like, I'm going to be extra energetic <laughs> and extra big hair. Pa' que me vea down the hall. Because wow. this is what you need to start embracing. Really celebrating someone coming in and feeling comfortable enough to demonstrate what's really at the core of who they are allowing their onion layers to be peeled 
and say, hey world, this is me and this is how I move, this is how I operate. And as a result, I am showing up in my work that much better. Yeah. And fast forward, that same leader is like, hey, would you be open to doing this and like this? And, th and I'm like, oh, mira eso. You want some of this energy now? You know, and so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. so you know, and but that also took for me to say, I'm going to be uncomfortable around people and this person because I know what they think of me, but I don't care. I'm not going to change that. I'm not going to change me because that's me putting my mask back on. And that mask has been on for so many years. Yeah. When did you take that off, though? There's the moment for you where you were just like, fuck it. Yeah. I was in a pretty toxic work environment at one point. And why? Leadership, um, culture, the expectation of working 12, 13, 14, 15 oh hour days. Yo. You know, like that craziness, the the lack of flexibility, um, you know, kind of old school stuff. And it, it was great for some people that really liked that grind. It just wasn't conducive to the way that I like to work. So it was more of like, this isn't for me. And in which case it was toxic to me mentally, physically, emotionally. And it was a pivotal moment in my life because when I decided to like move on to the next, I said, I am not sacrificing my peace, my fulfillment, and my happiness in my next role. And I'm yeah. going to make sure whatever company, whatever role I take, I'm not going to settle just for the bag. Yeah. I'm going to make sure it aligns with my purpose, with my passion. And then let me get the bag, right? Because the bag's important. <laughs> but, but. Oh, you know, like a girl got to live. But at the same time, it's like, I'm not going to sacrifice my sanity just for the bag. Like the money's not that important. And for a long time earlier in my career, I was just chasing the bag. And that's what you do, right? You, you're trying to like yeah. pay off your student loan. You're trying to like make, have a, have some savings. You're also like, we could talk about financial literacy because literacy, I didn't know nothing about that. Um, you're trying to do things in your life that like you've never done before, right? Like, Growing up, I didn't get on a plane until I don't even know what age. And then I realized that there's other stuff outside of New York. And I was like, whoa, this is cool. And then I started to make money. And I was like, ooh, this is cool. Let me go to the usual suspects for New Yorkers. You know, like Jamaica, Cancun, Miami. Miami, Puerto Rico, all those things, which I still love all of those places. But then now I'm like, the world is my oyster. Like, I just got back from Morocco a couple of weeks ago. And I'm like, I literally remember I was standing in Marrakesh and I was like, you girls in Marrakesh right now. Yo, what is my life? Yeah. That's exactly right. I literally told my girlfriend, I was like, I can't even sometimes, like, I know I worked really hard to get here and I am so blessed to like have these opportunities. Mm -hmm. But man, if you would have asked like my 12 year old self if I thought my life would look like this, like, no, I got no money. I'm eating like deli meat and like canned <laughs> corn for dinner. Yo, I tell people that when I saw the Eiffel Tower in person and it was at night and it was like, I don't know if you've ever been to Paris, but I have, it's gorgeous. And the lights are like going, like flickering throughout the city yeah. and shit like that. Yeah. And when I tell you, like I legit almost started crying and mm -hmm. I tell people that story, they don't get it. But I'm just like, y'all don't care. Like I grew up in the projects and this is shit that I used to see in textbooks. Mm -hmm. I was like, 
I, I remember telling myself, like, I'm only going to see this in textbook. Like, I'm never going to see this in person. And to, like, mm-hmm. see it in like, it felt like that. I was like, this is, this can't be life right now. Yeah, that's exactly right. I had that moment. I, to be honest, every time I'm on a plane, I have that moment. Every time I go to a conference, I have that moment. Every time I'm talking to a C-level executive, a SVP, somebody senior, I have that moment. Every time I walk into uh, our offices, I have that moment. I literally have that moment all the time, like, wow. Oh, but I also live in a place of gratitude. You I know, I, I, I'm super humble and I really realize like how fortunate I am to have just carved a different path for myself because not everybody uses their environment as fuel to do something different, but more so use it as a crutch or excuse for why you are in the situation you're in. But yeah. I, I say this a lot. Um, life is a series of choices. Every day? Choices. Every single day, I chose to get out of bed today. I chose to dial into this podcast today. You know, like I choose to wake up happy every morning. It is very rare that I wake up in a funky mood. Very, very rare. And when I do, I'm like, something's off. Let me meditate for a little longer today. That, and it, it's, it's interesting, this idea though, right? Because like here you are living this life that you always dreamed of. And I don't know, it's, what, what is it like the more, I mean, more money, more problems, sure. But also more money, more like, it's kind of like the higher up you get, there, I think there's more pressure to assimilate. And people think it's easier the, the higher you get because get, you get to make your own rules, but I think there's more to lose. And There's more to lose, yeah. And, and I'm thinking like, going back to the phrase you said, like psychological safety, is it like, do you feel psychologically safe now? Or are you just acting in spite of that lack of safety? I I think I toggle between the two, if I'm being 100%. I think that I'm willing to take the risk because so long as I'm staying true to myself and who I am, and I really am <clears throat> committed to what I'm delivering. Let's say it's you know business case on something, et cetera. Like that's business. Like if it makes business sense, like why should I feel unsafe for giving you my perspective and how I think I should approach a business challenge, you know? So I don't feel unsafe there. I also, and maybe I, cause I work with a bunch of unicorns, you know, I feel psychological safety where I'm like, I could call somebody out if I see something inappropriate or I feel uncomfortable about something. And I could say, hey, can we have a conversation about this? Here's something you said or did, and this is how it made me feel. Because you really can't dictate how you made somebody else feel because you're not them, right? But I but I can tell you how you made me feel based on your actions or your words. And then I will give you an opportunity and say, hey, here was, here was my intention. And then I would, we have a conversation. I'm like, okay, impact over intent. like. This is how it impacted me. So moving forward, here's how we can maybe be more mindful of that. And me too. Like, I'm not perfect too. Yeah, so, of course. Yeah, you I want other like people to call you out when you messed up or whatever. Yeah. What's a, what's, a, what's a scenario that comes to mind of like, that was a really uncomfortable situation, but I, I'm happy. I'm proud of myself. The fact that I communicated those emotions. I won't get into but there was a, a note that was sent out 
and the tone of the the note was it was almost like throwing something somebody under the bus that i was felt like it was just not necessary looping in people that probably shouldn't need to be looped or didn't need to be looped in and it's not like a race thing by no means it was just this is this is wrong it feels wrong it came off wrong and like this needs to be called out because if this is going to happen again that's bad on me and so i'm going to address this because i am not okay with this sort of way of business conduct it's not the way i operate and so maybe they came from a good place but this is how it landed and i i'm a big communicator i got to talk about all the things but I'm also very aware that people need to be in the right space to receive. Yeah. And, you know, you can't, it's even relationships. Like, if you're upset about something, your partner's upset about something, you're like, do, 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 do. and like, what's going to happen? They're not going to hear you. Number one, your tone is off. Don't scream at me. I'm a grown ass person. Um, and, and like, and two, like, I'm also upset. So I'm not observing what you're saying. So like, pro- now is probably not the time to have that conversation. Maybe let it, fizzle out and you say okay hey are you in a are you in a space to receive right now can we have a conversation around a b and c and that applies to all part of parts of my life and so uh before i even addressed the issue i said you know what let me do a temperature check because i'm a pretty self-aware person i've been told this many times and i also feel that too because of the work that i've done the inner work that i've done and i did a quick temperature check with someone and they were like yeah that, that doesn't really land well does it you're right like your gut is right. Like it, it feels off. Had a conversation. We talked through it. It was not the most comfortable conversation, but in the end, we both committed like, Hey, here's where I'm at. Here's where I'm at. If there's a future situation, let's communicate before we get to that level. And we're good. We're good. And I think, you know, communication is really like the key to every single relationship, work, personal, romantic, doesn't matter. I agree a thousand percent. And there's, so, there's a couple of things that I want to like dive deeper into what you said. One, how important it is to have someone that you can talk to and relate to and like even bounce ideas off. Right. Going back to that earlier example, it's like, yo, I got I can't talk to my family. I can't talk to my friends. I just want to know that I'm not crazy. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And in that moment, you <laughs> spoke to someone. He was like, yo, am I bugging or like, did this happen? And is it OK for me to feel like this? <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? They I gave you like that validation. Yeah. 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 Uh, imagine how good it felt to be like, I, I, I'm not crazy. Then yes. now let me have this conversation. Yes. And this was also like, literally, I was like, dang it. I don't got my therapy appointment until next week. <laughs> <laughs> like, I was like, the sun falls, like, come help me. So I'm like, I'm going to need to diffuse this because that was really, you know, I was not happy. And, you know, I, I used my words versus, you know, go off the deep end. And I think, again, if you can communicate clearly with someone exactly how how something has made you feel, that will get you further. And, you know, to be quite frank with you, that is not the way I grew up. You know? Yeah. I, I, I was like, Bucame la chancleta. Like, <laughs> like yeah. you know, I, got, I grew up with, I remember a black belt with a very thick, thick silver buckle, you know? words weren't used as much it was you know not that i was in an abusive household by no means but you know you got slapped around a couple times so 
And so like, you know, that communication piece is, is not strong. Even if I, if I look at my family who I'm obsessed with, um, some of them have, are very, very averse to communicating what they might be feeling or going through or their anger or disappointment. I don't have that gene in me. Like my maybe mom, before, yeah. yeah. My mom will, will bring up laughter or comedy as a way to avoid a conversation. Uh-huh. Like she's the biggest jokester and she'll, and she's so good at it. Like the story and the chisme or whatever the fuck will be so good that it'll distract you. Be like, yeah, I don't remember what I wanted to get out of you, mom. Yeah. And, and, and you're like, wait, you need the house. And you're like, oh, okay. I guess we'll try next time. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. Think, but you, the, the, like, that's a skill of being able to commute, like, to qualify, to have the emotional vocabulary, and to then communicate those emotions, that's a skill. And I've actually told you this, like I, I'm building an app that is going to hopefully teach people these emotional intelligence skills. And it's very relevant in relationships, any relationship, right? Like I've been, I've been in relationships where like, it's very different for me to tell my partner I'm mad at them versus I don't feel seen by you. And they'll lead to completely different conversations and solutions that we could work through, right? A thousand percent. I even had this manager one time who was like, and I get what he was saying. He will never. He said, I will never understand what it's like to be a black man attacked. What I have found out is that everyone can understand feelings and emotions. Mm -hmm. At some point, everyone has felt unheard, unsafe, neglected, any of these things. So by me, instead of telling him like, yo, as a black man here, like, I feel like this isn't that. It's not going to cut through. But by me saying I feel unheard by my team, I feel like my opinions aren't valued, blah, blah, blah. He, he's going to get that. Right. But how did exactly. you get how did you get those skills? Because I unfortunately didn't learn them in school or at work. I learned them in therapy. You know, I didn't learn that in therapy. I'm going to give flowers to where flowers are due. I actually was in a relationship with someone for years mm-hmm. and his communication style help me improve my communication style Interesting. and yeah and you know we're still friends to this day i like love the guy but yeah i was not you know i was being i'm yelling to get my my message across i'm giving you extra attitude until you pay attention you know like the, the screaming baby in the supermarket you know <laughs> And I remember one of our first, like, let's call it discussion. And (laughs) he was like, oh, okay, that's how you're going to, like, you're going to address this? Okay, let me know when you're ready to talk. Like, (laughs) actually talk. Right? And I was like, ooh, he just shut me down. And I quickly realized, like, oh, like, let's have a conversation. And then I realized, wow, you can really resolve conflict in this same tone that you and I are speaking in, Fabel, and come out on the other side just as actually even better than a yelling match to get to where you need to go. It's really unhealthy uh, to the way I was approaching it when I was younger. Again, to your point, I didn't you learn this in school. I didn't learn this in therapy. I actually didn't start going in therapy until later. And so that relationship really taught me a lot. Like, it, man, it really almost like just made me grow up and see that 
healthy relationships and healthy communication can exist yeah. and can happen between two people. And I think it put things into perspective too, is like, wow, when you're in a work environment in an office and you have conflict, mm -hmm. you have no choice but to use calm words and conversation. Or just words in general. Yeah. Or words like or you ignore the problem and then it gets worse and then you have Well that that happens, but not in my case now. Like I really talk through things um, now, and it feels so good because it it's does. like, hey, oh man, it feels so good. For those who are not there yet, tr just try it. It feels so good mm -hmm. to help to like facilitate a conversation between people and or just be in a like healthy dialogue, trying to resolve conflict in general yeah. work personal relation doesn't matter it just yeah. feels like you're you know what you're you just learned something about yourself and you found healthy ways to address conflict and you have healthy tools that you can leverage to get through the situation i i think take it a step further i think that unfortunately people that look like us often get these negative labels before we're able to get the skills of being able to communicate our emotions like when I was labeled aggressive, I wish weeks before that I was able to tell my team, hey, I feel unheard by y'all. Every time I say something, y'all don't listen. I often feel the need to raise my voice. And often that's the only time that y'all listen to me. So I want to call this out before y'all call me aggressive. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And how can, we, I, how can we like respect and hear each other so that I don't get that way and you don't have to feel or respond a certain way either? A hundred percent. But even even the difference between also saying like happy, content, excited, exhilarated, all positive, high energy words, yet very different meanings. Mm -hmm. And the difference of a conversation of how those things go are really important. But also on the other end, I think often like we're in performance reviews and it's been documented like people of color people of color are often judged for their personality instead of their performance. I wish we had the emotional vocabulary to when someone calls me too much, right? Instead, I could be like, oh, are you saying that I'm, I don't know, assertive? In a well, good I, way? Like, I would, I would go back and say, can you, can you unpack that for me? Yeah. Or something along those lines. Yeah. Sure. Like, I wouldn't even put words in their mouth because what's too Ooh, much of me yeah. is too much for them. So That's help fair. me understand that phrase too much and unpack that for me so that I can better understand what you're trying to convey because I'm not understanding the way you state it. Like, right? that, let and them yeah. just um, not describe it, but... Um, like, when that person called me, called me a lot, yeah. they didn't unpack that. I was just left to the assumption of, like, oh, they might think, like, my energy's a lot. I might talk a lot. I, my hair is too big. Uh, I don't dress a certain way. You know, I'd be a lot to them. I don't know. It's like happiness. Happiness is subjective. Success is subjective. That's fair. Uh, as we wrap up this final question, because we're, we're almost wrapped that time. Yeah. Damn, that went by fast. <laughs> um, Obviously, like, you're not done growing. We're all working on ourselves. Like, what's the one thing that continues to inspire you, empower you to continue being your most authentic self in these rooms? 
curiosity. Curiosity on like, what else could I expose myself? What else can I learn? What don't I know? And how can I tap into things that like really make me feel like happy and energized? And the older I get and the more seasons of my career, I start leaning into like, what's really getting me excited? Like, okay, I want to go towards that versus yeah, and it also, by the way, could be something I've always done um, or something brand new. And so I try to go with like, oh, this is like scratching an itch I didn't even know I had. Like, I want to lean over here and it could be uncomfortable because all I knew was over here on this side. But the curiosity in me is like, let me explore this more because this feels like it's pouring into my cup right now. And this is getting me really excited in a way that I haven't been in a while. So I'm going to lean in, into it. I'm not going to question it. I'm going to go with it. I'm going to go where the universe takes me. So the curiosity in me um, has really been on a thousand lately. And I've been, I've been really leaning into give me something new. Let me see and explore. And if it's not for me, cool. Like I have other things that I'm working on. Um, but curiosity, I think for a while was dormant for me and now it's just like what really drives me to go forward what else am i capable of doing mi gente that wraps up this week's episode of the quien Tueres podcast if you enjoyed this conversation please do us a favor like share comment leave us a rating and review wherever you're listening because that is how we're going to redefine professionalism your engagement and feedback is going to help ensure that these stories and experiences get heard by more people thank you and see you next week